They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Not crazy. This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Rain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never had an alien experience unless spending some time in Florida counts. This is Hysteria 51. Did this man right here from Central Florida for hiding his legless girlfriend by stuffing her body in a plastic storage container. The girlfriend, Christy Lee Anderson, was on the run from U.S. Marshals. She was also wanted by the Polk County Sheriff's Office. She's facing charges for holding people hostage at a Burger King. She got in a shootout with police, which is how she lost her legs. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, Seabot and I are pulling host duties this week as Goforth is on assignment in the upper fourth. I am sure he is just being a lazy prick, but you bring up a good point. What stranger? Having a close encounter of the fourth kind or pretty much anything that happens in Florida. Well, last week, a woman on a horse got a DUI in Polk County, and now we're learning of another unusual DUI arrest here in Florida. A man was arrested last week in Port St. Lucie after police say they spotted him drunk riding a lawnmower. It's a tough call. Yeah, I guess a close encounter would technically be the strangers just because they are they're a lot more rare than weird shit happening in Florida. This Florida man is accused of having sex with a miniature horse on multiple occasions. You skipped the most important part of that story. Here, allow me. Sardo admitted that he had sex with that horse four times that week. He also reportedly told investigators that he used a condom so that he wouldn't get a disease. See. Florida man is like a Boy Scout, always prepared. <laughs> that other voice you're hearing is the usual third, now the second host of the show, and the only one who would fit well in Florida with Florida man. He's the one and only conspiracy bot. Too many bodies of water in Florida. You know, I built Seabot in my lab to help produce and edit the show. Instead, he just sits around all day drinking while fantasizing about world domination and taking over the human race. See. Just like a Florida man. <laughs> That's, that, you might be onto something still. Oh, and obviously I can host this turd as well. That's true. You are pulling some weight this week. Back to Floridians. Not saying they are my people. They just suck less than most of you. Speaking of people, Seabot, tonight's episode is all about people. Best. Transition. Ever. <laughs> so we are we are talking about experiencers. We have an awesome guest this week. Her name is N.K. Crandon, Nikita Crandon, and she's going to be on with us. John was actually here for the interview, so you do get to hear his dulcet tones and lovely voice for that part. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about what is an experiencer. Just like it sounds, someone who experiences something. You're really banging on all cylinders this week. Shut up. So this is a very broad topic, and our guest focuses on all of it, the entire spectrum. What I mean by broad is it, it's a paranormal experiencer that she looks into, but that can be someone who, who sees a UFO, someone who's abducted. Sees a ghost. Exactly. Uh, is visited by the men in black. Sees shadow peeps. Uh, sees someone or something move on its own. It could be, you know, a chair or a, uh, moves or something flies off a wall. So see about I got a question for you. Hit me. What obscure experience do you wish you could be a part of so that you could say you were the first ever to be a part of it? I'll go first, make it easy for you. I want a pet Yeti, like a house trained pet Yeti. Damn it. That was mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I took yours, but no, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, not only are you, you know, you're proving the existence, not only of Sasquatch, but the Yeti. You got one. Maybe he goes and fetches beers for you and stuff. I'd settle for a human that was worth a shit. Okay. That, it was stupid even to ask you. What, I mean, I, I guess a big question I have in this whole topic is, what do you think is most reported for experiences? It, it ghosts? UFOs? Cryptid? Something else? I mean, what do you think? In my book, it has to be ghosts. Everyone has that end with a story or a friend who saw something move out of the corner of their eye. Or they saw crap they can't explain. You know, I, I agree. I think that is actually probably the most. A lot of people have seen a UFO or something they can't describe, but I think a lot more people have had 
I, I would say an experience with with um, something paranormal in, in the ghost faction or something like that. Probably a lot more percentage wise. It's probably a lot higher. Most aliens are bitches and don't show themselves anyway. <laughs> that's that's one way to look at it. So, you know what? Uh, since you get a little riled up, we're going to go to break. But when we come back, we're sitting down with N.K. Crandon to talk her research into the experiencer phenomenon and her own experiences this week on Hysteria 51. <laughs> Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone. We actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use. And we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term. And uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started for very limited time. Hysteria Fifty One listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. How much? Fifty percent. Visit Rosetta Stone dot com slash today that's 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life wow. redeem 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 how do they do it rachete your oh. 50 percent off <laughs> rachete <laughs> redeem it 50 percent off rosettastone.com slash today do it today after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. <laughs> 
John, we have a guest. We do. And we are with N.K. Cranda. You might find her as Nikita Cranda on, on the inner tubes. She is an experiencer expert. Is that is that how I should talk about you? What do you what's your credentials? What do you like to be called? Um, I'm an experiencer research researcher and preservationist. You gotta throw expert in there. It just sounds better. I'm gonna, make, I you guess. Some, I'm gonna make you some business cards. <laughs> no matter what it is, you're an expert it on it. It just says expert. In, in, about I what? S- Name it. I s- I stared at some empty coffee grounds, and now I can go at alien, ancient aliens, right? Well, I think that gets you a PhD in some countries, you exactly. know, so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> so for everyone at home, tell us a little bit about your, your, your backstory, because you jumped from a horticultural sciences education to interviewing people that have experienced, you know, had experiences with UFOs and aliens. That's a hell of a leap. So what kind of <laughs> led you down the path of green thumb to green alien? Um, I guess growing up, I was always the weird kid, uh, just always kind of off in the distance, you know, reading books. It's like everyone was reading uh, comic books and Winnie the Pooh and stuff. And I was over there reading Slaughterhouse-Five. So, <laughs> you know, I was just uh, I was a really lonely kid and I had unrestricted access to all these books. So I was just extremely fascinated with uh, ghosts and people from other worlds and things like that. That is a refreshing thing to hear you say that because a lot of times we cover people on these on this show had, had unrestricted access as a child to things and they didn't turn out so well. <laughs> I was too poor to have the internet, so I just had a whole <laughs> bunch of uh, really cool old books that nobody paid attention to what I was reading. Yeah, that's awesome. So, were you interested in this? Would you say from a, a childhood in the aliens aspect, or did that come later? What actually happened is that. Uh, I just grew up feeling extremely strange, and then I can blame most of this on my daughter. So I was a brand new mom, and I was just exhausted. I had finally gotten her to sleep, and I laid down, and I was watching my favorite terrible thing, which is those uh, awful YouTube top 10 videos. You know those? (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. John, actually, that's his day job. So this is a little (laughs) awkward now, but keep going. I'm joking. It's like the McDonald's of YouTube, but um, I was just laying there, kind of letting autoplay go, and autoplay went on to... uh, Top 10 Mysterious National Park Disappearances. And that led me to David Paulitis and his Missing 411 series. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I bought all of his books. I devoured all of those. And I was like, I really want to learn more about this. And I found out that David Paulitis regularly uh, attended the MUFON Symposium. So I went to a local chapter. I ended up being voluntold that I was their secretary. I was immediately hired at the spot. <laughs> voluntold. <Yeah. laughs> I, I hated it. Like I wrote way too many reports. I thought it was very pretentious kind of to be a secretary. But the the people that came in at the beginning of these meetings that were very nervous, obviously didn't want to be there. And they would just tell these amazing and sometimes horrifying stories And I noticed that there was very little support for them. Either they would be uh, interrogated on the spot to the point that they would leave and never come back, or people would just kind of shake their heads and not acknowledge them at all. So what I started doing is that I would take them aside and say, you know, hey, I'd really love to talk to you more about this, you know, as as just kind of a peer-to-peer thing. And then it really turned into more of like, you know, you really should be writing these things down. And I started doing the the recording and the preservation aspect of it. Which is an important thing. And it's it's funny you brought up the fact of talking to them, but a lot of times they are dismissed or feel awkward and don't want to do it. I think that's something that can happen a lot of times. That's probably why most people don't even come forward. And then you come into an, a situation like that where you hope that you're in an area or around people that will be open and honest and believing. You're in the trust tree. Yeah, and it doesn't always it doesn't always go that way. Absolutely, and um, I come from a, a background of some pretty severe PTSD, which is post traumatic stress disorder. So when I when I was in college, I also studied a lot of psychology, and I noticed the extreme parallels that not only talking about these things, there was an enormous amount of stigma. But you were also just not believed. People did not take you at face value. They didn't listen to you. So that's a big thing that I do with my preservations is that I teach these people, you know, who cares about the stigma? You're not here to make anyone believe you. You're here to tell an amazing story. Right. You need to fight for yourself. And I'm sure as hell going to fight for you, too. So it's it's extremely empowering for them. And, and the biggest thing that I teach them, it's like, you know, whether it's a UFO or you saw a ghost or you think that you're a contactee, it's that you need to honor yourself most of all. And you need to honor yourself because you survived. And it's amazing how many people have never heard those words and they, they take it from a whole different aspect after that. One of the, you know, when we, we introduced you, we mentioned, or you mentioned that you, you um, 
you're an expert or deal in alien experiencers. That was a term that before uh, before getting ready for uh, our chat today, I hadn't heard. I've heard of people with UFO sightings. I've heard of people being abducted by aliens. I never heard the term UFO experiencer. And as I researched it, I found that it was mostly a, a MUFON used term. Is that um, are, is there a reason that that term is used versus other ways to reference folks who who have had um, who have had interactions? I think it was used outside of MUFON first. I know that it's also uh, John Mack featured that that word a lot in his work. And it's not just for people that have UFOs. It's just kind of this umbrella term of experiencer is that you've had some kind of experience, whether it's paranormal or you saw a cryptid or it could be a UFO or something. And it's a lot nicer than saying a contactee or abductee or a victim of a werewolf, you know. <laughs> right, right. It's got the less sting to it, I guess. Yeah. And it's all encompassing. Got it. Mm-hmm. And and so how long have you been have you been interacting with experiencers? Uh formally doing the preservation work about a year. Uh informally over ten years. Oh wow, so quite a while. Yeah. And and formally you do it for MUFON? No, I don't do the preservation work for MUFON. Uh I do that freelancing, that's for me, but oh, I was cool. so good. I was so good at it that uh, the ERT, the Experiencer Research Team at MUFON, actually invited me to come over and work for them. No, that's not, so. Tell us about that. What what if someone contacts MUFON and says they've had an experience of some some type? What's the vetting process, and how do they get from I'm calling into you know whoever to actually talking to the ERT team? Uh, they would go on the website. You can just go ahead and do. It. I'll I'll make sure that this is correct. I'll do it right now. You go to MUFON.com. And then you can go ahead and fill out uh, experience or survey. And once you fill out this survey, you can t- type in uh, whether or not you want to be contacted by a member of the ERT team. It's just your email, I believe. And then we go ahead and uh, they'll call you up personally, and then you'll have a report in the system and everything else. How would you say, and I don't know if this is something that you can even address because I don't, I, I don't know. What is the, the case or what, what's the... the, the percentage of of ones that call you that you guys go we're really gonna you know look into this versus you think people are pranking does that ha- or does that even happen to you guys or 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 ones that you just write off as i i don't believe this person at all we think they're lying it goes through a pretty thorough investigation process and we do have some aspects that there, there's filters we kind of run through of course you listen to them and of course everyone gets a report um the really interesting ones, an investigator like Earl Gray Anderson, uh, a fantastic field investigator for MUFON and an ERT uh, team member, he'll go ahead and forward it to Miss Marden and say, like, hey, this particular case uh, fills in a lot of our markers that we're looking for. Uh, different different markers could be, you know, that they had an RH negative blood type or they had a near-death experience. And all of these different people that come in, uh, if you have more than one marker, chances are that you're going to get forwarded up to the next level and then probably get contacted again. Uh, you just brought up something I love that we actually haven't really covered on our show is the RH negative blood type. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people that have that are the people that, you know, that's the common, the, 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 the tie that binds, I guess you could say. Why do you guys think that? What's what's the common knowledge behind that? Um. I can't say definitively that anyone knows the reason why. And this also ties into David Paulitis missing 411 is that he found out that the same types of people with the same types of issues were coming up going missing. Uh, him and I was like, a lot of it is Caucasian males, um, people with some kind of disability, people with exceptionally high intellect, uh, the RH negative blood, um, people of Germanic descent all the time have weird stuff happening to them. And there's there's a ton of theories out there about why these particular markers keep showing up, but they certainly do. There is a pattern. Yeah, pattern like you would see if someone was doing an experiment and needed a, a control group of some sort or things like that. That's what's so scary about it, you know, is you see these things and you see the, the same uh, markers, like you said, pop up over and over again. And you go, how can this be? It can't, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, just be random. I can say that for sure. It's definitely systematic. It's not just random. So here's here's a question. I I think that um, I think no matter what anyone individually believes as the the cause of of people's experiences, whether it be they truly believe um, there was a cryptid out there, there was a UFO that came down and abducted them, or they think it might have been something more like you know you hear. 
you hear ties to sleep paralysis and abductions and, and perhaps it was, you know, a waking dream, things like that. No matter what you believe the cause of it, I, I think what you do is great in the sense that everyone should be heard and, and they obviously experienced something, you know, and, yes. and, and, and yeah. to be dismissive of them is just is just rude and not right. And, you know, and we can all draw our own conclusions as to what actually happened. Mm-hmm. My question is, what made you decide to partner with or be a part of MUFON specifically to do that? Because obviously you said you do a lot of it independently. You don't have to necessarily engage. So, you know, what about that organization draws you in? I can 100% completely and fully blame uh, my mentor, Earl Gray Anderson. And I was, I was very independent and I was very against it. And I said, you know, there's a lot about MUFON that I don't agree with and I'm not sure I want to be part of that organization. And he said, Nikita, I think that your intelligence and your integrity and the way that you talk to these people, along with the fact that you're an experiencer yourself, can only lead this place into a good direction. And I want you to come help. On this show, we have talked negatively more than once about MUFON, not about right. the work they do, not about uh, you know being willing to believe anybody or anything. And it has nothing to do with the actual the actual interactions with beings or anything like that. It's specifically a lot closer to home and things that, well, I mean, if you remember the, the controversy from a few years ago with, with what was his name? John Venter or Ventre or something like that. The yep. race, the racist, uh, that they, that should have been kicked out, but then didn't get kicked out. How do you, as a member of the organization kind of remedy that in your own mind? The way that I remedy that in my own mind is that I'm not a climber and I don't care about politics. And when I talk to different people about MUFON, I say, you know what, there are some really fantastic people that are in this organization that are the actual life's blood, that are the field investigators and that are doing the work. And, you know, like my chapter president in San Antonio, uh, he dumps a lot of his own money into that chapter. Um, I think that a lot of the politics and a lot of the things that people are unhappy about don't reflect much of the hard work that actually goes into MUFON. So I think that that's why my mentor was was so adamant about dragging me into it is because he he wanted to be sure that there were people of a younger generation that were coming in that were hardworking and that were positive and that he knew were going to take the organization to a better place. That's an important thing. And, and you know, you got to also understand that, like you said, younger people coming in, the older regimes are going to be moving on and people are always going to play power struggles, but that doesn't have to negate the fact that MUFON's the only one doing what it does. Yeah. So that's an important thing. You have to have something like MUFON if you want to take these things seriously and give people like you're talking to a, a, a place to be heard. Now, you yeah. kind of talked about how people are chosen, you know, for different reasons. We don't really know for sure. What do you think they want from these people? Do you know? Do you know what's, you know, I mean, is there an underlying cause that they seem to be after this? And I say the the they, that's the, you know, the universal they. We can get into what they might be later. Uh, as for what they want, there's uh, several different aspects of that which I can get into. To answer your, your question a little bit before that is that I have a, a theory is that a lot of this, the reasons why the people are chosen is it seems to to actually be related a lot to trauma. And it's kind of something, I, I know this is copyrighted, it's kind of like the Disneyland effect, where you're a little kid and you're wandering around Disneyland and you think that everything is amazing and everything is wonderful and that the entire world is just like Disneyland, correct? Right. And then as you get a little bit older, you notice like, oh, uh, there are sometimes people out there that hit and kick their dogs and some of my friends at school don't have any lunch to eat. And as you kind of get older, your your worldview becomes darker and darker. Are you following me? Oh, absolutely. It's hitting real close at home with John. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of these people that I've spoken to, uh, their experience almost always is predated by some kind of psychological trauma. And because of this trauma, it's kind of opened them up in some way that these things either start communicating to them or they start visiting them or they start noticing them. One of the things we do on this show, even with each other is we play devil's advocate, right? Yeah. We, we, we look, try to look at the other side of the coin. Couldn't you argue or couldn't it be argued that if someone had that kind of trauma in their background, that that also makes them more likely to perhaps have, have an experience that they believe to be one thing while it could certainly be another maybe have some mental instability that could lead them to that moment? Absolutely. That's why I do so much PTSD research is that hallucinations and mental instability and uh, 
blacking parts of your memory out are absolutely parts of PTSD. And that's why I screen for that in these people to find out exactly what the trauma was, what happened afterwards, what parts of it are you blacking out, what parts of it do you remember. I'm very careful when it comes to trauma because, first of all, it's extremely easy to push someone over the edge and make them worse than they initially were. And the other part of that is, you know, the trauma that happens doesn't necessarily mean that they're lying. It just means that something happened that they didn't understand and it broke their worldview to force them to pay attention to things that they could ignore before. So that's good. Yeah, that's I, I good agree with you. I, I 100% think that there are certain people that come forward having had some sort of experience like that and aren't lying. I, they, they 100% believe yeah. everything they're saying. Whether whether it actually happened or not the way they remember it, that's another question, right? Did did a did a, a, a craft with little green men on it come down, pick them up, take them away, and drop them off three counties over two days later? That's a much different question than do they believe everything they're telling you? Piggybacking off of what you're talking about, though, and I thought this was really interesting, where you said they have this traumatic episode, this injury, this this break, this whatever it might be. How does that open them? Do you think it, 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 it opens up something in their psyche that makes them like a magnet, like almost like a, there's a flashlight that they're looking for? Or how are they picked? How do, how do the beings or whatever it is, how are they attracted to them? I have two answers to that question because I believe in balance and I believe in also being a scientist. Is that number one is that when you actually experience a traumatic event, the neural pathways in your brain and your nerves mm-hmm. do become damaged and rearrange themselves when they heal. Absolutely. So your brain is essentially different than the way it was before. Secondly, uh, there's a lot of people out there that believe in the awakening of humanity and all of that awakening stuff is coming. And I don't know if it's just your your brain is rearranged in such a way that they that they can start uh, communicating to you in a way that you can Mm -hmm. hear. I don't know if it's just you uh, deviating from the normal patterns of your life and starting to finally notice those things that you kind of ignored before. So, you know, when you think about this stuff, you hear about the bad all the time, the people that are taken, they're 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 they have implants, they're they're experimented on things like that. Do you ever have good experiences? And I know some people that say that they've had, you know, implanted with children and it's been a good experience stuff. But what does that happen much that people are like, I really enjoyed it or I'm happy it happened? I'll give you a statistic, and it's a real one. It came from a book. I didn't just make it up. It's from the book uh, Beyond UFOs: The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. And this was done by the the free people, the experiencer.org. They're kind of like MUFON's counterpart when it comes to experiencer research. That out of all the people that they interviewed, less than 10% would stop their experiences from happening today. Wow. An overwhelming amount of them are positive and they I say that it has benefited their lives. And all. there are, yeah. And there there is that 10% where they're like, no, this is absolutely terrifying. It's ruined my life. I would stop it today. You you obviously interact with a lot of a lot of different experiencers. What would you say? Like, well, first let, let's let's give a baseline there. Over the you said you've been doing it officially for a year. Over the last year, about how many um, stories have you been told, or, or I guess interviews have you done? Uh, tales have you have you gone through? Oh man, when people find out what you the do, they kind of open, corner you yeah, and then tell you a story. That, right? <laughs> That's her. Get her. <laughs> yeah. So there's. There's too many to count as far as like formal preservations where I've actually had a chance to sit down and talk with them uh, about 10 this year because I I like to go slow and I like to do a really good thorough job. My next question doesn't have to be based on just the formal ones, but overall overarching, what percentage just I'm just trying to get a roundabout idea of your perception of this. Do you think of these are actual paranormal slash alien events versus something that could be explained by something a bit more mundane or closer to home, like whether it be mental trauma slash PTSD or, you know, a waking dream, sleep paralysis or, or, or something else that, that that's heck uh, when I say more mundane, even uh, let, let's go, let's go the black project route. And, and the government did something that, that led to that, you know, but that's still closer to home. What percentage would you say overall that you believe um, from your interactions were truly of uh, uh, paranormal, unexplainable origin? Are you asking 
So you're asking which ones I believe are to uh, no, be because I true. think I think truth right? is is hard to define. If someone is if someone is if a light right. appears outside their home, something appears in their room, abducts them for two days, and then lets them go, and it was made to look like it it was an alien abduction, and it was really the government. Let's just I'm just using this as a weird example. That's still true, right? It still happened. It wasn't necessarily paranormal in origin. I'm asking, just in your opinion, about what percentage are the truly unexplainable, the uh, otherworldly? That's a good question. And the reason I like doing what I'm doing is because I am a preservationist. I don't have to rip apart their story as an investigation. So you're just, you're just documenting what they're saying. Right. But as far as going a little bit farther with that, the only person that I believe that was being dishonest with me or was uh, overinflating their story was this one guy that I just happened to meet randomly. And I went ahead and I I agreed to do a pre-interview. And in this pre-interview, not only did he manage to tell me that uh, he was a Montauk boy, that he was astral projecting himself to Whitley Strieber. um, He was at Roswell uh, and at least four other different places. Like he was the guy. I was like, okay, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate the interview. (laughs) You just made my career, buddy. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. So that, that, that was really the only one. I mean, the people that I come across are usually anonymous and they're, they're very ashamed to be. Yeah, it, that's, that's sad that that's the thing, because we've talked about on the show a lot of times how if it happened to us, it, it's a double edged sword, because if it happens, you, you go, well, do I come forward or not? And then if you do come forward and you reach out to you then the person that is a skeptic's going to go of course they reached out to mufon you know instead of so and so and in well who the who the hell are they supposed to talk to you know there's no one for them right exactly and it really is the loneliest existence out there um i was uh sexually assaulted earlier on in my life and i was telling someone that was also a skeptic i said i was sexually assaulted i have access to scholarships i have access to free counseling i have access to government subsidized housing these people out there have similar type trauma and it's ruining their life and they have no one to talk to. So I would much rather them come at least try to talk to their friend or someone from MUFON rather than just cramming right, right, all of that down the same inside. Thing as the people that are, are assaulted and then they just don't tell anyone. And it's so terrible. And they have very similar suicide rates to uh combat veterans with PTSD. They just give up and kill themselves well, all and that the goes time. Back to, and it breaks that my goes heart. Back to a, the original thing that we all posited, <laughs> regardless of what actually happened, they're going through something like right. that's a truth. So to be dismissive is, yeah. is wrong. You, you mentioned earlier that you, you yourself were an experiencer. Um, is that, uh, I don't want to go down that path if it's nothing you want to talk, like talk about. It, or, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sure. I can tell uh, one story. I don't usually disclose like my full experience or uh, encyclopedia. I do that. I save that for people that do preservations because I think it really reassures them. But I have a great story of how it all kind of started is that when I was seven, seven or eight years old, I was in a church and my mom was talking to a pastor. I think that she wanted to volunteer or something. And it was basically, you know, the very much early 90s of get out of here, don't make any noise and don't break anything. And I was like, okay, fine. So I had this uh, marble and it was bigger than a shooter. It was some kind of crazy marble. I thought it was a dragon eye, but it was about as big as a ping pong ball. And I went into one of the back conference rooms of the church and there was a big long table about eight feet long. I was a pretty smart kid. I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's not dipping on this one side. It's pretty flat. So I was kind of rolling it from one end of the table and I would run around and catch it on the other side. At one point during me playing with this marble, the marble completely stopped in the middle no, of the table. Normal, normal and that irritated uh, yeah, marble actions. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> right. So that irritated me. So I, I climbed up, I grabbed it off the table, and because I was mad, I really shot it across the table. And instead of rolling off the other side, it just stopped again. And it actually started moving towards me in very lazy figure eight motions. And it came back to my hand. Wow. And Whatever this thing was played with me back and forth for about a half an hour. And I was so delighted. Uh, I ran across the church. I pretty much drop kicked the door into the pastor's <laughs> office. And I was like, Mom, <laughs> you got to come see this. And of course, nothing happened. And I was so devastated that I couldn't prove to her that this magical, wonderful thing had happened to me. 
but that that really carried over with me my entire life was uh this little girl in her marble and something amazing had happened and she right? couldn't tell anybody yeah. <laughs> and then there's one of those things that if you do tell people they go hmm, a seven-year-old making shit up you know or or whatever yep let's yep. go let's go to a, a kind of an obvious question that anyone in the 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 alien ufo paranormal community you know certainly would get a lot and that is kind of the observation that that reports of of these experiences sightings abductions whatever uh, reports of them have have dramatically declined um in more recent years i suppose skeptics would probably point to the the proliferation of cell phones and and how everyone has one on their hip with you know good zooms and things like that and obviously others what the one thing that no one can argue is the fact that the number of reports has gone down what's kind of your take on that just in in, in on the from a macro scale i think that the stigma is higher than it's ever been and especially with all of these uh shows coming out i know project blue project blue book was a big one but we've had a couple of shows before this that are just so openly mocked and everything else it's it's I don't know why people talk about it at all. It always shocks me when someone comes forward with a preservation case. It really does. Um, there may be a scientific reason why the, the reports have declined that I'm not aware of. But as far as I know, it, it's the stigma and it's the fear. And nobody wants to be outcast on social media or Facebook or fired from their job because they talked about uh, seeing something they yeah, shouldn't Do you think have. that's ever going to change? Do you see humanity, us, you know, not just humanity, let's America, do you see any time soon with us being open to that, or, or is it going to take a, a you know a ship landing in the you know the White House lawn for us to go? Oh, okay, well then maybe we need to stop criticizing them. I don't know. My favorite thing ever to hear is that there's something oh, big man, coming yeah. in the next six yeah, months. That, it's coming. That six months has you been what about coming. twelve years, <laughs> and the twelve years before that, yeah, exactly. It's always that's always the thing. I encourage people to talk about it more, uh, not necessarily on a social media platform, but just just say, hey, you know, you don't have to have an opinion about what I'm going to tell you, but I would really appreciate it if you would just listen to me and then see how that goes, because a lot of people are more open to that now and more compassionate about it than they were many years prior. But then we got to get into like, who is it? Who do you think is visiting us? Where are they from? Do you know? What do they want? Well, let's start baseline. Do you believe that of of the the experiences you've talked to officially, unofficially throughout your life, do you believe 100% that at least a portion of them were truly experiencing aliens, extraterrestrial life? Oh, yeah. I have an undisclosed witness that was actually at Rendlesham before Rendlesham happened. Well, and again, I'm, I'm trying to draw a distinction between, I mean, we, we're very familiar with the Rendlesham story. There's also there could be other explanations for that. People experience these things, uh, but you you 100 percent believe that at least a portion of these were actually beings from outside of this earth. Yes, a couple of them. Others uh, would debate me about that, though. They think that we're all part of the same energy and it's all cosmic love and we're actually them and they're actually us. And then I kind of nod and I write all that down. Um, but the the one from Rendlesham was definitely a hostile what what they described as a hostile alien presence. So where do you think they're coming from? Do you have any idea? I mean, are they are I guess I guess it, I should say that or bring it into are they from another planet? Is it interdimensional? You know, are they shifting? Yeah, that that that's where I was going to go is that I I don't believe as much in the whole they pile into a spacecraft and come from a different galaxy. Yeah, I think probing. it's much more yeah, likely they over a ride, yeah. <laughs> I think it's much more likely that it's uh, interdimensional, a lot of the cases that I hear. Which is so funny because we were just talking, we've been talking about that stuff recently on our show, with even real, you know, real sciences and the people that don't, who would never put their name on something, you know, that had anything to do with paranormal, are coming in and saying, you know, we're looking at other dimensions as not just a you know maybe a, a a probability mainstream scientists that put their name on things are now saying that a lot of the things that that play into what we're talking about really are out there they're thinking and the mathematics and everything are showing it and so it's got to feel a little bit good to the people that have been saying it forever that yeah you know i kind of told you so absolutely and if you're into the interdimensional um way of thinking as far as these uh, abductions and everything go. I think that the missing 411 series is excellent because it shows 
these kids going missing, like two-year-old little kids, and then the scent trail will completely stop. You know, professional teams with dogs, the scent trail completely stops. It will pick up again on a search grid five miles away and then stop and then pick up again five miles away and then stop, almost like a chessboard. Like this kid is just bouncing around miles and miles. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't make any sense except for, you know, maybe there is something that can kind of just walk through the veil and kind of visit here and walk through the veil and visit there. And it sure as hell doesn't make sense how a a two-year-old could get a thousand feet up in elevation with no scent trail either. So to me, that's like, that's either you're flying like a giant eagle is carrying you and picking you up and dropping you down or something is something is walking through some kind of yeah, pocket it, dimension. It, it, it makes you feel so small, you know, or at least to me, like how is is it something that we we just don't understand? Is it not meaning to be hurtful or is it malicious and trying to hurt? I mean, these are all these questions that I'm sure these people have you know, every day of their life. And uh, it's frustrating not knowing. Yeah. Well, and obviously interdimensional travel would would help solve the the Fermi paradox. Mm-hmm. You know, why other than the the experiencers, why isn't there more proof of of these people coming from as you said, you know, piloting a spaceship and coming from uh Zeta Reticuli or wherever they're coming from? What uh, and and along those lines, you know, obviously the Fermi paradox is something that people love to discuss, we do too. Uh, in the world of ufology, what do you think the biggest challenge is right now? You know, we, you can look at outside challenges, people who don't believe and people who, who um, you know, are being skeptical on purpose, etc. But often, uh, sometimes any group, any group, uh, the, some of the biggest challenges can come from within. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's the biggest problem is us right now. The biggest problem is infighting and uh, career climbing and who's going to get on History Channel the next, and who's getting the money for the book deal. And it's really sad. Um, but if you're if you're careful, and if you do good work, you, you meet up with a lot of other really wonderful people like you guys, and uh, Peter Robbins, Earl Gray Anderson, uh, Michael Rideout, who works on UFO cold cases, uh, an excellent guy. Um, I've been very fortunate to, to get to work with good people. And I think that once you see, if there's anyone that's super eager to just decry anybody or insult anybody it's like you know we're all working towards the same thing can you settle can you settle down a little bit you know when (laughs) we go into we me when i go into different you know chat rooms or or places where you're trying to talk to people and as soon as someone has a difference of opinion you are destroyed and and, an idiot and things like that and that's not how if you're trying to understand these things it's fine that you don't agree with me this isn't politics it's not that i said i'm voting for someone well then go die no that's not how this should work and that's That's not how politics should work either right right so i guess but can we get back to you going into chat rooms (laughs) (laughs) my bbs sites what was i trying to say uh facebook pages you know uh, groups i don't know why chat rooms came out like what age sex location (laughs) (laughs) yeah my favorite thing to say to people that are like well why don't we have disclosure and why don't we have this and why don't we have that and i look at them and i go if you were an alien species would you visit you Michio Kaku always said, like, even if they are here, would we know? He's like, when's the last time you stopped and talked to an ant, yeah. and then you decided the 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 mentality of an ant because they couldn't talk to you, they couldn't talk back? No, you know that's not how it works. He has the ant hill next to the super highway, uh, and I love it. I tell that to experiencers all the time. I'm like, even if right. we, they were right there, because the we understand it, and, and said, would we care? I brought you beads and blankets. Take me to your leader. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, what's your end goal? What do you do you you're you're bringing all this information in. You're collecting it. Are you hoping to put it out as as a book form? Are you hoping to start some sort of depository for it, or or do you have an end goal? And right now you're just kind of going about it. My my goal is not to really write a book or to have a website or anything. My primary goal is I just want to inspire others to start writing down their own story. Is that this history is important and that you are not as alone as you feel you are. There's there's literally hundreds of experiencers that I've talked to. And I mean that there are just so many thousands and thousands more. And if you dig into family history, you know, like, did your grandmother ever talk about this? Or your grandfather, like, oh, yeah, my grandma, mm-hmm. my grandpa saw ghosts all the time. And my aunt saw saw this over there. And if you actually sit down and just get the weird out, you'll find that a lot of people have similar experiences, too. When you bring up this stuff, you can see people feeling you out. 
you know what I mean? To see like, and I don't mean yeah. like talking to you. I mean like in your everyday life, you're going, you're having drinks with with someone, you're you're having coffee, you're talking, and you know they want to say something, but they don't want to. You know what I mean? Or they they're not. And I, I love that yeah. where you go like, hey, let's break down some walls. Let's go ahead and talk here. It's okay, you know. And that's important because so many people, like you said, and like they just they just um, shut people down. Whether it's true or not, it, it's true to them. You know, I mean, what I mean by true yeah. is what they think happened, happened or not. That's a totally different debate. That that uh, what what you're talking about there is called perception is reality. To to bring this to a close, like that's what I wanted to say regarding you. I appreciate what you're doing, trying to help people. You know, anyone who, mm-hmm. who listens to our show knows that there's probably a lot of things that you that you believe that I might not be on the same page with. I'm not I'm not a big fan of MUFON. Uh, at all. Uh, yeah. And also, I've said on our show numerous times, I believe aliens exist. I don't think they've ever been here. Just my personal belief. But I do also right. believe that a lot of people have had weird experiences. And I, whether that's they experienced mm-hmm. an interdimensional traveler or whether <laughs> the CIA was messing with them or whether they just they, they did have some sort of waking dream, no matter what the, the cause of it was. They're going through something, and the fact that you're giving them a sounding board, I think, is commendable, and I, I do appreciate that, and uh, appreciate you sharing that with us today. John and I are on different ends of that uh, coin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's important because you balance each other, you know. Right, and, and that I have... is important. And we've known each other our whole lives, and it's been that way our whole life. I've I've had experiences, and I've you know you, you try to write them off your whole life, and it doesn't. And I've been interested and in pursuing this my whole life, so. But I got good news for everyone that's listening. We're actually going to be able to meet you pretty soon. We're both speaking at Alien Con in a couple months. I'm How excited. Exciting. So what, what panel are you doing there? I'm on the Experiencer panel. You don't say. You don't Friday, say. <laughs> Friday, June 21st. Awesome. We're actually speaking on Friday, too. What time's your panel? Do you know? I have no idea. No, ours is at 1030. We got an early one. We're on Uh, the paranormal and podcasting panel. So really looking forward to it. And, and you're invited. Scum and villainy is a, a bar outside of there. We're doing a huge meetup after on Friday night. So everyone who's in the LA area, everyone who wants to come to alien con, come on out, meet some people, have some fun. Nikita, thank you so much for doing this and, and taking your time and 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 um, really slumming it being on this show. <laughs> we really appreciate. Yeah, we do appreciate it. Thank you. So, so if much. people want to want to find you, want to want to reach out to you, want to share an experience with you, what's the best way to find you? Uh, I have a Facebook page. It's NK Cranda, or you can email me. It's uh, nkkmufon at gmail dot com. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty accessible. If you just want to write me an email, or if you want to have a Skype call or if you want to be completely anonymous and then tell me a story and disappear forever, like go for it. I, I love to hear all types of stories. I keep, I keep hoping that John's going to disappear forever, but he keeps showing back up. So no, no. dice yet. Can't get rid of me that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And yeah. you guys are awesome. And uh, feel free to disagree with me anytime you want. Cause I only learn more things. <laughs> Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hello, everyone. I'm Danny Pellegrino. I'm Jenna Brister. And we are back for season two of a very merry, iconic podcast. We're going to be diving into your favorite holiday movies, recapping them, and going on a few tangents. Yes, and it's the end of the world as we know it. So why not close out 2020 with a bunch of episodes of Holiday Recap with us? So we hope Mm -hmm. everyone grabs a cup of eggnog. And a fistful of candy. Cook that bird in the oven. Doritos. We don't care what you're into. Just join us. Grab your bed wine. Grab your couch cocoa. We're getting lit on the holiday movies. We'll be doing 10 recap episodes So subscribe to A Very Merry Iconic Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and find us on social media at A Very Merry Iconic Podcast on Instagram and we'll have all the updates there. If I was her, I would use negative reinforcement and that alone when people called into me. Why? Because I hate people. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) I think what she's doing... And I, I hope we, we convey this is it's, it's important because you want to be able to give these people, these people that feel like they don't have someone to turn to a lot of times when you see something and it scares you or you can't explain it. 
the first question is, well, who do I tell? You know, and she's providing a service and giving these people a place to be able to come forward, be themselves, feel like they're not going to be judged. And that is important. That is BS. I judge everyone. Yeah, but you're not the one collecting it. I might. Maybe I'll start a rival gang of experiencer collectors. She's not in a gang. Well, then that there is her first problem. <laughs> that might be. So, Nation, what do you think? We got some homework for you. This week, cop on Hysteria Nation. Go to Facebook. Search Hysteria Nation. What have you experienced? What stories can you tell? Have you seen something? Have you seen a UFO? Have you seen a ghost? Have you seen a shadow person? What can't you explain? Let's have a fun conversation about the things in Hysteria Nation that we've all experienced. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Do it. I want dirt on all of you so I can torment you easier. You know what? You know, John's usually the negative one, and I think you're filling his shoes nicely. Thanks. I try. <laughs> so hop on Facebook, like I said. Look for Hysteria Nation. Also, don't forget... Facebook.com slash Hysteria51Pod. That's our normal page. You can tweet to us on Twitter, Reddit. We have our own Hysteria51 subreddit. Patreon, patreon.com slash Hysteria51 for a mere $30. Seabot, what can you get? Nose cancer. <laughs> Maybe, because you can sniff John Goforth for $30. You can get posters and t-shirts and pins and stickers and host your own show pick the topic it's awesome make sure you check that out patreon.com slash hysteria 51 voicemail you want to hear yourself on the show 773-669-7277 what's that number again cbot 773-669-7277 where can they go if they forget any of this they can go to hell no where can they go they can go to hysteria51.com that's right Hop on there, tell a friend. Special thanks this week again to NK Cranda. Don't forget, you can go to her Facebook page. You can send her an email if you want to talk to someone and you don't feel comfortable. She really is the person to talk to. And I think that, I think that she's doing something, like we said, that's helping a lot of people. So with that said, I've been Brent. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.